0: So, um, it was funny because last week, uh, I don't remember when it was, I don't, who was doing announcements last week? Who was doing Tithe? I don't remember what it was. I don't remember who it was, but um, it was funny because uh, I was sitting here um, and we were in the dark. And how many of you guys know when you're in the dark and if a bright light comes in, it, it sticks out to you, right? Like... You're sitting in the dark and somebody shines a flashlight in your eyes. My kids have no idea what that's like. Um, every time I, I get home, I, or my kids get home, I shine them in the face. I'm like, have you been drinking tonight, ma'am? <laughs> just, I'm, they don't, but I'm just, I, I joke with them like that. Um, and then, of course, my oldest is like, of course I have. <laughs> um, but I was sitting uh, last week and I'm, I'm, God is just doing something. I don't know what he was doing in particular for everybody, but I was sitting and I noticed a blinding light and it wasn't like I opened my eyes and I got shocked. I was literally eyes open and on the left of me I see blinding light closed. I'm like, okay, God, what are you doing? I lean over to, I don't know who it was, one of the two, and I said, God has an angel in this room right now. And I said, but I don't know what he's doing. How many of you guys know that we'll never know what God is doing all the way? We will understand his will for our lives. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing in Jim. I don't know what he's doing in Jared, Jim, other Jim. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing in all of our lives. But he's doing something. And I, you know, I'm know, i like, okay, God, whatever you're doing with that, I, gotta, I got to witness a brief moment of it flash and showing up, but I don't know what it was doing. And I think sometimes in our walk with God, we have to be okay with not knowing what God is doing. Because when we know what he's doing, that doesn't make him God. When we know exactly what God is doing, if he revealed his revelation to us, why do we need him? Because then we know everything that's going to go on. But when we have that not knowing and just saying, okay, God, you're doing what you're doing. I'm going to let you work behind the scenes and do what you need to do. And then God says, you know, this is what I'm doing. He reveals his plans, not to his slaves and not to his servants, but he reveals them to his friends. And when God reveals his, his will for our life, that's because we're friends. That's because he cares about us. That's because we're sons and we're daughters. And what happens is that calling, he calls us out and he calls us up. And he calls us to glory after glory and victory after victory. And we celebrate those victories because God loves us and what he's done for us. He fights for us so we don't have to fight. He fights so we get to enjoy the victory. He fights so we get to rest. He fights so we can have joy. Can you imagine us fighting our own battles? It doesn't work very well. If you've ever tried to fight your own battle, it doesn't work. It may work for a moment, and you're like, yeah, I got it, and then the next moment you're like, oh, yeah, that wasn't good. So when God calls us, He calls us into redemption. He calls us from sin into new life. He sent His Son to redeem us so we wouldn't have to be sin. Since Jesus became sin, so we would not have to perish, not have to suffer, not have to die. And think about this. If he calls us to redemption, redemption isn't something that we have to earn. Redemption is something that we stumble into. If, if any of you guys remember your um, time of conversion, your, when you got born again, sometimes you stumbled into it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is, oh, this is what it is? And you, you made that decision, but you're like, this is what it feels like to be redeemed. This is what it feels like to be set free. And some of us grew up in church. Some of us grew up in church understanding everything. And then, and for us, salvation was like, yes, it's salvation, but it wasn't this massive experience. Like I talked about last week, some of us have really awesome conversion stories. Some of us don't, but they all rejoice the same in heaven, no matter if it's the amazing conversion or if it's the person who grew up understanding it and then makes that decision. So when he calls us to redemption, he calls us to new life. And if you look throughout Scripture, he called multiple people to new life. And I don't mean like born-again life. I'm I'm talking about new beginnings, new existence, new um, plans, new purposes. And so if you look at Abraham in Genesis 12. So Genesis 12, verse 1. It says, the eternal one called Abram out. So I said Abraham, but when God calls people, he changes who they are. If you look at a lot of the people that God called out of their old life, he changed their names. So it says he called Abram. So Abraham's original name was Abram, but God called him out of that. So God says to Abraham, excuse me Abram, get up and go, leave your country, leave your relatives, your father's home and travel to the land I will show you. And I love how he says this, don't worry, I'll guide you there. I have plans to make a great people from your descendants, and I'm going to put a special blessing on you that causes your reputation to grow so that you will be become a blessing and example to others. I will bless you and those who bless you and further you in your journey. And I'll trip up those who try to trip you up along the way. Through your descendants, all the families of earth will find blessing in you. Uh, there's a footnote in this um, translation that says, Out of the descendants of Noah, God chooses Abram to have a special relationship with him. He calls Abram into, to enter into a particular kind of relationship that changes the course of his life and the lives of his people forever. God has a plan to rescue the world from sin and destruction, and that plan begins with one man he promises to make a great nation from abram to bless and protect him and ultimately bring true and lasting blessing through the excuse me blessing to the world through his children to enter into a promise abram must do something daring he must leave everything he knows and put his trust in god sometimes when god calls you he asks you to leave something he asked abraham hey I have, you you got to understand, this dude's rich. He got money. He, he doesn't have to, he's got slave servants, cattle, sheep, goats, whatever, whatever you, you know, heard back then. But he's got money. And he's saying, hey, your family's here, your brothers are here, your mom, dad, whatever, they're all here, but I want you to get up and leave. Think about that. God it would think about this if you woke up one morning and God says to you, I want to I want you to quit your job, move away from your family, and I want to move I want you to move to some place that you have no idea what the culture's like, what the people are like, what the land is like, and I want you to take everything you have and move there. You'd be like, um, let me drink my coffee first and then we can uh, I want to reevaluate if this was God talking to me or if this is just me needing coffee this morning. But Abraham was called out of land of security and plenty with a promise of an inheritance and children. He said, I'm going to make you a blessing to many nations. That that, that would be tough, really tough to just be able to pack up everything and move to some place that you have no clue of. Some of you guys know what it's like just to go from, you know, I just left Michigan for a while and we just moved to some random place and stayed there and moved back. Zach, you know what that's like. just to move out into the middle of nowhere in, in some land where I can see Russia from my backyard and, um, and be able to, you know, move someplace else. But God asked Abraham, and, he, and in that calling, there was something about blessing. God's not going to call you and say, well, you know, I'm going to call you out and leave you in lack and, and leave you stranded out there and not provide for you. There's nothing in God's character that, that proves that he will do that or shows that he will do that. When God calls us to something, he will always put, and we put our hands to it and we follow his will, he will put his blessing on it and cause us to prosper. And there's times where it's like in the natural, we're looking at it going, this makes no sense. What this person is doing or what these people, what they've, God has asked you to do makes no sense. People said we were crazy to start a youth group in Hesperia. Maybe we were, but God put His hand. He got asked us to, and He put His blessing on it. And people said, "When oh we, you're going to start a church? You can't start a church in Hisperia because you need to go to Fremont because that's where all the people are." <laughs> God laughed, and then I laughed, and then He put His blessing on it. Here's the thing: is you can move to wherever you want. I, I love it when people move away from their hometown to start a church. And it's like, what does your hometown need? What does your area need? What do your people need? Who's going to know it better than the people who live here? And if you're following God's will, God will put his blessing, and give you plans and purpose, and he will give you ideas and wisdom on how to reach people, how to call people into their callings. So Abraham is called to leave all security. I mean, he's literally fam- generations of family that are farming and um, you know, have sheep and cattle and whatever they have, they're, they're, they're farming hundreds and hundreds of acres and this has been generations of family. And he's called to leave it. You know, he understood the land, he understood the culture, he understood how to survive in the area where the water was, where the water wasn't. But when God calls you, sometimes God will take you to the place where he's called you but not leave you there and plant you there. Sometimes when God calls you, he's going to have you go through that and you can see what it's going to be like or how it's going to be, but then he has to take you on a direction to get you ready for that land. Abraham, think about the children of Israel. Abraham, they weren't ready to go into Canaan. They weren't ready to go into the land that God had promised them right away. They had to, to go through some things, had to go through other lands, other trials, other times in order to become ready to possess the promise that they have. So the calling you have is not always a one-stop, one, one stop, oh, I'm in my, I'm, I'm, God's called me up and I'm going to be here. Oh, there it is. I made the trip and I'm done. Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. With or without God, life doesn't work that way. So God is going to call us. And when he calls us, he may call you, call you to move to another country. He may call you to move to another city, another job, whatever it is, but God's going to call you, but his hand is always going to be on you when you follow in his will. I think a lot of times what we try to do is we hear God's calling, and then we try to come up with our own plan on how to take care of it. So if you've ever, if you're the kind of person that likes to write out how to do things, any of you people here that like to write out the steps on how to do something? Like if you're going to build something or plan something, you write out the steps. Denise is over there laughing. Yes, I can, I can totally see Denise with her long list of exactly, you know, one and then B, 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 A, B, B, uh, <laughs> dot, dot, and then, you know, all her footnotes of it. Um, but that's the thing is we try to write out all of our plans on how we're going to accomplish this. How we're going to get this done. Oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and this is how it's going to go, and then I'm going to do this. And God says, erase that, erase that, erase that. Start with one, listen to my will, follow me, and allow me to guide you and do that. But I think, you know, God laughs at our plans because we plan it all out, and God's like, "Mm, that's not how it's going to go. That's not how it's going to be. That's not how I want you to go. You know, we're like, well, God's going to call me and I'm going to take the easy highway there and it's going to be easy. I'll get off on this exit and I'll be right there where I want to be. And God's like, no, I need you to take the side road over here. I'm going to need you to stop here for a while. You might minister to someone here and then you're going to get back on this road and you're going to turn left at the barn and then go by and turn right at the big tree. It's country directions for you who are from the city. Um I literally don't know half of the streets that are around me. I just like, yeah, first road on your left when I mean, you go down there. And that's how, sometimes how God has to speak to us. First road on your left and go. And when you, when you see the stop sign, that's when you stop. But our calling, God is going to direct us. He's not going to make it easy all the time. It doesn't say that the wide path leads to life. It says the narrow path leads to life. The wide path leads to death and destruction. So God is going to direct us down paths that sometimes are uncomfortable for us, that sometimes draw out on our character. And sometimes it's going to draw out on the lack of character or the character traits that we need to grow and assemble a little bit better. Say, okay, God, I need the pieces and parts for this because I'm missing this and I can't go past this until you work on this. I need you to fill these parts up in me so I can go into my calling. If you look at Abraham, he wasn't, dude, like, he's like, hey, we're gonna, we gotta go to Egypt first. And it's like, hey, you know, wife, uh, when we get there, just pretend you're my sister. Like, I, I still look at him and go, what the heck were you thinking? Like, it doesn't make sense. But in his mind, it made sense. And I've gotta, I've gotta do this and I've gotta make it, perfect, and I can't let them know this, and I can't let them know that. And God's just like, whatever. He's just like, see how that works out for you. But he had to take Abraham through Egypt first to learn something, to grow in an area, and then he says, okay, now that you've lied to Pharaoh, and literally he had Pharaoh's ear, if you look at it, Pharaoh says, oh, you lied to me? Get out. So he's like, oh, okay, so that didn't work out so well. So then he goes, okay, now I'm going to leave. And God finally brings him back into where he's supposed to be. And the funny thing is, is if you read that scripture, he wasn't, he went through the promised land, but the promised land for him was not ready because there was a people there that needed to be driven out. And sometimes our promise is there and we'll go through it, but the promise isn't prepared for us. The land is not prepared for us. The ground is not prepared for us to be able to plant, to be able to um, sow into it. And so God is saying, okay, move through it. Let me work on the soil of your heart while I get rid of them. And then we're going to bring you back to it. You know, sometimes I think we see our promise and we we strive to grab for it. We're like, we try, we'll step, I'll just kind of step out of the will of God just a little bit to kind of hold on to it and grab it. Maybe I can drag it back into the will of God. Maybe I can pull his promise, even though it's not the season and the time for it, I can pull it back into his season and timing. And maybe he won't notice it. Like Joseph. Joseph tried to pull his season and his time into his family dynamic, and it didn't work out well for him. He's actually lucky that he got away with his life. Um, so when he calls you, sometimes it's not going to be quite that moment, but we can see what it is, but we're not ready for it. God has to do a work on us first. And I think for us as, as believers to f- align with the will of God, to fall into his um, calling for our life, we have to allow him to work on us. They call him the master physician. That's because he he is able to heal. He's able to cut out. He's able to um, stitch up things. He says, I bind up the brokenhearted. God will bind up that and he will heal that and he will restore what has been lost and what has been stolen from us. What the enemy takes, God will restore. What the enemy breaks, God will fix. And make it back better. But sometimes we have to, to watch the, where we're supposed to be and know it's not our time. You guys ever had, um, like, if any of you have ever had a job position, you're like, I know I'm supposed to be there, but somebody else is in that job position, you're like, why am I doing this? And God, you told me, and you know this is where I'm supposed to be. It's because there's something missing, something broken, something lacking that God is saying, you need a season of watching and waiting and, and allowing me to work on you before you can move into that position. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. God had to do a work on Abraham first before he let him back into the land. He brought him through the land saying, see, this is what I'm going to give you, but we're going to go here first because I know you need something worked on. I'm going to take you here first because I have to work on the land. I have to work on you, the land, get the, it prepared for you. God's not going to bring us into the land that he's promised for us and not be ready for us. When he calls you out of your area, he's not going to bring you to a place of promise and not be fulfilled. A land of promise is always going to be a, a fulfillment of what he's promised us. He's not going to like, I promised you this land, but I didn't really have the time to work on it. So here you go. Can you finish the rest of it? No, he doesn't do that. He, he, when he brings us to the promised land, it's the land that he has, been, has made completed for us. We're required to work the land. We're required to take the land, but it's going to be prepared, be prepared for us. Sorry, I couldn't say that very well. So Abraham had to grow, had to learn, had to make mistakes like we all do. That's why we're called children of God, because we learn and we grow and we make mistakes and our father corrects us and and guides us and leads us and then shows us the proper way to get to the land of promise. Abraham was called out of something voluntarily. He knew that he could stay there and be comfortable because he had family, he had friends, he had wealth. He had everything he needed. His entire um, herd was there, his, his farm was there, everything was there, and he knew Hey, this is, this is the easy life. I've got it. He's 75 years old. I mean, how many of you guys at 75 want to get a brand new job and a, a new vocation? Not a lot of people do. Most of you guys are looking at retirement at that age or are retired. But God said, you know, hey, by the way, you have a lot, but now we're going to take that and spread that out. We're going to move it to a new place. We're going to make it to a place where you are grown And are continuing to to understand what I have to say to become a blessing. Because if he had brought Abram into that place the first time, I don't think he would have been a blessing to the people around him. It wouldn't have been a blessing to many nations because he would have been fighting for the land he had to take. But God said, Let me do it. Let me clean out, get rid of the, the garbage out of your land so you don't have to do it. And then when you go into it, it's prepared for you. So sometimes our callings are, Hey, I've got a new place for you. follow me, and I'll go. And sometimes our callings are, "Oh, I've got to move quick. Let me explain this. So Exodus two, you guys look at that scripture. It talks about Moses. So it's really every how many of you guys watch the movie, "The Ten Commandments?" all 500 hours of it, or how many hours of it is? Like, you know, I think it's like four hours or something like that. And I don't understand, why do they play that on Easter? Like, like hey, it's Easter, let's play the Ten Commandments. And it I never made sense. Anyway, um, I still like watching the movie. But. So I was watching the movie, and you see this drawn-out life of, of Moses, and you see the, the basket, and his mom puts him in the basket, and you see the fake crocodiles and alligators going by it. And, and he really didn't last that long in the Bible. It literally lasted about four paragraphs. And so Moses' life is threatened from the beginning, but God has a calling for him, and he directs his mother to do the most craziest thing you could ever think about, is, hey, just, you know, take some reeds down by the, the, the river, weave them together, you're good at it, and then put some tar and pitch on it, and then... Float your baby down the, the, the river. Now, if somebody came to you and said, hey, by the way, I need you to do this today. It's life or death. What would you think? Like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a basket. You know, first of all, if you could make a basket. You know, like, okay, hey, I'm going to go to the dollar store. I'm going to get a tote. I'm gonna, you know, like, in, our, in your mind, you're thinking, this is crazy. But God directed his mother to do that for, for him. I don't think in her mind this was a logical thing, but God said, hey, do this. And it saved her son. So he grows up and he's found by a Pharaoh's daughter. He grows up as an Egyptian, but he knows he's Hebrew. And what really stuck out to me was his compassion for his people. He knows that they're they're his people. He knows that they're enslaved. He knows that they're being abused and taken advantage of. But he he understands that and he has compassion for it. His calling is being pulled out of him even before he's called because it's in his heart. And our callings are in us. There's something in us. So whatever you're passionate about, usually God will use you in that area. If you're passionate about helping people, God's going to call you into that area usually. It may not be in the way that we think. Moses wasn't thinking, hey, you know, I don't like it when my people are abused. I'm going to go and uh, go to Pharaoh and say, hey, uh, can you let them all go? No, he, he didn't think that. He's thinking, how do I defend them? How do I um, fight for them? But, you know, it wasn't the way he was thinking. His compassion for his people eats at him so much that he kills for them. He sees an Egyptian beating one of his, it says in the scripture, his Hebrew brother's. And he kills him, buries him in the sand. Apparently not deep enough because somebody must have found him. Because if you look in the scripture, it says this. If I can find it here. All right. Verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11 says, One day Moses had grown up. He went out to his people and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked at at this and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And he went out the next day. Behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to them, man, this is wrong. Why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you? And the man answered, he said, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Didn't last long. Moses' calling wasn't to murder an Egyptian to free his brother and to stop it. But Moses, the calling in his heart was telling him, defend them, free them, save them, whatever you can do. Sometimes our calling, we jumpstart what we should do. We think, oh, I just, I got to do it. I got I to jump in there, and I got to defend, and I got I to fight for them. And, I and God's like, hold on, you jumped the gun. You probably could have been taken. I believe God has multiple paths to our calling, because Sin allows us to take a diversion off to the side. So what God wants is, I have a single path that God has a single path that he wants for us. But he's like, okay, I'm going to allow you to take the side path, but I can bring you back into the main direction that I have for you. So he's like, okay, you're going to kill the dude. I know you're going to kill the dude, but I'm going to bring you back in. Moses probably could have not killed the guy, been in Egypt, he probably could have been a high ruler in Egypt for his entire life, and while he was doing that, freed the people. But God had a better way. Because God doesn't work and well, you know, we're just going to do it this way, and then we'll do a few at a time. Okay, you can leave, now you can leave. God's like, you know, I have a bigger and better plan that when, I, when you come out of this country, when you go into your promise, when I call you out, it's going to be a blessing. Think about it. If Moses had stayed in high command in the Egyptian... Um, whatever it is over there, I don't know. I don't know if it was like a, a dictatorship over there with Pharaoh or how it worked, but um, he could have let, oh, we'll let uh, this, these families go. We'll let a hundred go, but they wouldn't have left with blessing. They would have left with nothing because the Egyptians took everything they had. They basically had housing and that's what you, you have. But God says, you know what? Hey, we're going to work on this. We're going to work on you. So Moses flees. And sometimes we, we, we run away from situations because God called us and we didn't do the right thing, so we leave and we run away. But God's like, okay, hey, I'm going to go have you hang out with this dude. He's going to teach you how to be a shepherd. You're going to find a wife while you're there. And you have to understand, Moses is not the most eloquent speaker in the world. If you look, it says that he stumbled and stuttered as he spoke. And he had... Confidence issues. I don't think God really looks and says, well, you know, they're super confident. They're really well spoken and they have no issues doing anything. I'm going to use them. God says, I want to find somebody who struggles with that area and I'm going to use them for that area because I believe they can do it and I'm going to work in them. So, sometimes God will make our situation end so he can bring us into the the calling that he has for us. Moses' calling was to stand up for his people, being the one to speak for them, not the one to murder for them. God didn't want the murder. God wanted freedom. Sometimes we go around, uh, about what God has asked us to, to do the wrong way. Sometimes God will say, hey, I need you to do this. And then we're like, well, God wants, wants me to do that. And we don't ask him for the plan to do it. We just, we just find out what he wants us to do, and doesn't, we don't ask for the details on how to do it. Uh, Moses jumped the gun a little, and then after he jumped the gun, he's like, oh, I got a body here. How do I get rid of this? And he's like, he's like really don't have any friends that are going to move this body for me because the Hebrews really don't like me because I'm kind of an Egyptian, and the Egyptians aren't going to like me because I just murdered one of their own. So he's like, rolls up his sleeves, starts digging a hole. And sometimes we jump the gun for the calling. We say, right, this is what I'm supposed to do. God has me. And we jump the gun and we end up like, okay, please don't murder anybody. I'm just saying. But sometimes we jump the gun and God says, what the heck did you just do? And we got to think, oh, I didn't really think about it. I was just like super excited excited drank too much Mountain Dew, got a little overzealous. And I think as Christians, we become overzealous. Moses was a little overzealous in that moment because he wanted to do what was right, but he didn't know how to do what was right. And he wasn't following the calling that, that God, or the plan that God had for him. God's like, one, do this. Two, do this. B, A, whatever. And God, he jumped that gun and murdered someone instead of finding the right way to release people. So he has to go flee out into the wilderness, get a new, start all over, no money. I mean, he, if you really look at it, Charleston Heston, he's you know, tied to that pole, he gives him a pole and a robe, and he sends him out to the desert by himself. He says, good luck. And I think God used that, that time out in the wilderness to grow Moses, to learn how to do it the right way. To learn how to take care of sheep, so he could take care of God's sheep. He doesn't call a sheep for no reason at all. So while Moses is out in the in the wilderness, he's learning how to shepherd. He's learning how to deal with the flock. And you know he's he's standing there and he's you know, worrying, looking at the sheep and he sees something in the mountain. He's like, what in the heck is that? And he sees the burning bush, and it's everybody thinks, oh, it was burning up. No, it was like it was on fire, but it wasn't burning. And the presence of God was, was in that moment. And it, Moses is like, knew that there was something special about it, but didn't understand it at that moment. And God says, take off your sandals because you're on holy ground. When a, a flaming tree starts speaking to you, take off your shoes, get on your hands and knees, Get on your face before before if God starts speaking to you that way. And Moses did that. He got on his hands and knees and his face before God and God worked with him. And he worked on him and he called him and he said, You're done being a shepherd to sheep, wink wink. Now you're going to take four million people and you get to direct them. Have you ever had like more than two kids, three kids at a time, trying to get them to all go in the same direction? Can you imagine four million people coming out of out of Slavery going, yeah, we're done. And Moses, like, we still got rules, people. But he wanted Moses to have, Moses had a calling, but he had to, he moved out of his calling too quickly, or he moved into a calling too quickly and did it the wrong way. And God's like, okay, now I got to take you out and have you calm down for a couple minutes. Just rest. His father-in-law, he rested with his father-in-law. He learned a new trade. He learned new things. God called him, finally called him. His heart knew what his calling was. He wanted to free his people. But God, it took him years for God to finally call him and say, oh, by the way, now it's time for you to walk in that. And sometimes when you jump the gun, God is going to say, you need to hold off, give me some time, because I'm going to work on you, you're going to have to take some time, and then I'm going to call you back into it. And I I don't believe that Moses had bad intentions for murdering that man. I believe that he had had such a deep compassion for his people that he murdered that man. He wanted his people to be safe, but God's like, you can't do it that way, because that really doesn't work out too well. You can't just go in and murder all the Egyptians and then let your people go. It's like, I need to work in you and through you. Because when God works through you, instead of murdering one man and then setting people free, God's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to show my power. I'm going to show you who I am in the plagues, in the, the moments that you stand before Pharaoh. And they're going to see that I am God. Whether they like it or not, they're going to see that I'm God. And then they're finally going to bow their knees to my will, whether they like it or not either. And that's the thing is, in our lives, we can either jump the gun or we can bow our knees to his will and do it in his timing, in his way, and how he wants us to do it. You know, you got Abraham who is afraid of talking about, telling people, oh yeah, this is my wife. You've got Moses who goes and murders people and can't speak very well. God says, you know, God called him and he said, oh, hey, by the way, um, I'm going to send you to talk. It's like, I can't talk. He's like, okay, fine. Take your brother Aaron. You tell him what needs to be said. Aaron's going to speak it at first. And then Moses gains confidence. But God gives him that staff and he says, yo, by the way, this is going to be a demonstration of my power. And if you look through that, that staff was a demonstration of God's power throughout Moses' life. God will give you the tools you need to go into the calling you have, but you have to be willing to pick up those tools and use them. Did not set my phone on silent. Sorry about that. And then sometimes you're not going to think you're qualified to do it. You're Like, I, I, I don't have the education. I don't have the, the ability to speak. I don't have the ability to... Um, heard people I, whatever it is there's times in our lives where we're going to think god I'm not qualified to do this look at judges 7 for me so you guys know the story of Gideon right or at least you should it's a great story. You should read it. So, this is the story of Gideon rising up and defeating the armies that were coming to attack. But if you look at chapter 6, it really explains Gideon. So, God comes to him while he's threshing wheat in a wine press. And we're, talking, we're not talking like this little, you know, We'll press about this tall, and he's up there stomping on grapes. We're talking about wine presses, and wine presses back then were probably about 10 feet tall, or 10 feet. And so he's threshing wheat in a wine press. Why? Because he's afraid of who the people that are going to take it, because there was raiders that would come down from the hills, there was Midianites, there was all kinds of other people that would come in and plunder from the Israelites, because they knew that they could, and they do it. So he's hiding threshing wheat so they can make food in this. And God, an angel of the Lord, comes and says, "Oh hey, by the way, you're a mighty warrior." And he's like, um, "Oh me, me. Oh, I, do you know who I am? Do you know where what family I come from? Do you know where my family standing in s- society is?" And then me, do you know me? Do you know my past? Do you know what I've done? Do you know what's going on in my family? Why would you call me? So, verse 12, the Eternal's messenger appeared to Gideon, and the, Eternal, and the messenger said, The Eternal One is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon replies, just, you know, great reply. Uh, If he is with us, then why is all the misfortune come upon us? I feel like that's sometimes our response. Like, if he's supposed to be for me, then why am I going through this? Why am I dealing with this? And he says, where are all the miracles that our ancestors talked about? This is completely us as human beings. You're like, well, if God is, is present today and he works, then where, why am I not seeing the miracle of this? Why am I not seeing a miracle in this? Why am I not? I hear people talk about it, but I don't see it. We are Gideon because we're human. They said, didn't the Eternal One deliver us out of Egypt, but now he has left us. He has made us servants of the Midianites. And then the Eternal One turned to him and said, Go out and strengthen and rescue Israel from oppression of Midian. Do you understand that I am the one sending you? Sometimes God is going to ask you to do something that seems completely impossible for the skill set that he has given you. You guys ever had a job or a task and you're like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't know even where to, to do research on it. I don't even know, like, what to do with it. We've all been in those moments, right? We've, we don't know where to start. We don't know, I, I can't do this. Like, I don't know what this is. But God didn't look at his pedigree. He didn't look at his family. He didn't look at his, his, where he was hiding at. He didn't look at his job. He just said, hey, I'm calling you. I'm calling you up and out of the wine press, chicken. Get out of there and go do something. And when I was reading this story about Gideon, God asked him to go do these tasks. He says, tear down the Asher pole. He's like, okay, I'll do it. But I'm going to do it at night when nobody can see it. I'm going to do it at night. I'm going to creep up to it. You know, saw it down and nobody's going to see and I'm, I'm loving this because he's building his confidence. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm, you know, and we get zealous. We're going to do it for God, but I'm going to do it when no one can see so they don't say anything to me. You know, Look around. He's like, anybody out here? He's, you know, he's just, I can just see him hanging around town waiting for everybody to go home. Yep, on my way home. Ducks into a shadow. Good, nobody's around. Okay, now I can tear it down. He's, he hasn't quite gotten to the point where he's bold and he's brave. He's like, I know what I'm called to do, but I can't let anybody see what I'm going to do. And God said to me, sometimes we have to practice in the dark to be good in the light. Sometimes we have to practice what God has called us to do in the dark so that we can do it in the light. And so he starts to tear down these, these idols and these false gods who his family's worshiping. The fact that he knew who God was He recognized the angel of the Lord standing before him and calling him those things. He knew who God was. And he knew that the the, the false idols and the the gods that they were worshiping were fake. What was weird about Israel is they they would like, oh, we worship God, but then we got these three other idols that we worship because we don't know if he's going to come through for us. Even Gideon said that. I don't know if he's going to come through. He brought us out of here, out of Egypt, and he left us here. So Gideon is, is, is becoming what God has called him to be. He, he calls him up, and he's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it at night. Nobody can see. I can hide. Nobody will know who did it. And then he comes out in the morning, oh, my gosh, who did that? You know, he's like, I can't believe they tore those down. We're going to find that person. We're going to, you know. And then he goes home, and he's like, oh, yeah, I hope they don't find that person. But God was working on him. And sometimes God is asking you to practice behind closed doors so that you can go and do it in public. I can imagine Moses standing in his tent. Okay, I'm, God wants me to say this to Pharaoh. How am I going to say this? You know, let my people go. You know, and he's, he's just practicing the, how he's going to say that. It's like one line. And he's like, I can't say it. God's like, it's one line. Just say it. But sometimes we have to practice behind closed doors so that we can do a public ministry. And Gideon was that guy. He's you know, he probably went to the the wine press after he tore down the pole. He's like, "I get it. I get it. I get it." You know, he's like, you know, who's who's good at this, you know, and he's he's trying to build himself up. And God's like, "You sometimes you have to do something behind closed doors to gain confidence to be able to do it in public with other people." But I think we as people become so mind become in this mindset of when you think you don't have a purpose that you can't do something well I don't know what my purpose is so I can't do anything do you understand that all three of these guys were doing something before they got to their purpose god didn't say okay hey go down tear, tear the asher pole down and that you've done your job no i'm going to ask you to do the little things so you can do the large things do the little tasks so i can you can set people free You know, Gideon's like, I don't have purpose. I'm not worthy to serve. And I really don't have a whole lot of military expertise. He's the least of his family, the least of the, the tribes of Israel. And his family's the least of that tribe. So he's probably not got a lot of influence. That's why he was sneaking around at, at night knocking stuff down and then going back in the morning going, oh, who did that? But when God calls you out and says it's time to move, he calls you up out of that pit, out of that wine press, and says, now it's time for you to move. He doesn't leave us there and say, okay, you're going to stay in this pit and command my armies from here. No, he's not. But God will call you up out of there and say, okay, you've learned what you need to learn. You've done what I've asked you to do, and now it's time for you to go do what I've asked you to do. So when there's a calling, there's usually a calling out. Our callings will call us out of where we're at. God will say, you have a calling. Great, I have a calling. Now he's like, I'm going to call you out of where you're at, and I'm going to place you in a different land. I'm going to place you in a new place that's not comfortable, that's not easy, and sometimes it's like, this is different from what I've experienced my entire life. And he's going to call us, and sometimes it's going to be very uncomfortable no matter what we do. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to require us to put our trust in him and not what we've known for 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is. And sometimes he's going to call us and say, I'm calling you out because, I'm not calling you out of your land, but I'm calling you out and saying it's time for you to grow up. And it's time for you to become the person that I've called you to be. It's time to, for you to walk in the victory that I have for you. You know about it, but... You know how to walk in it, but you haven't walked in it. And it's time for you t- to use the tools I've given you and to walk into that victory. You know, I look at, you look throughout the entire Bible, you look through Scripture. God calls people and changes their names. Gideon was Jerubbable. I like Gideon better. It's easier to say, right? Jerubbabel rolls off the tongue a little bit better, but um, Gideon's an easier name. You look at uh, the, the um, disciples, most of them, not the same name. You look at when he calls the tax collector. What does he say? He says, Levi, son of Alphaeus, follow me. And what does he do? He changes his name. He changes Peter's name. He goes, well, you, know, no, you know, Peter, Simon Peter. I think I like Simon Peter. But then I like Peter. You know? But Jesus doesn't like, I'm going to give you something on top of what you have. I'm going to give you two names. I'm going to give you one name. I'm going to give you a new name. But he always gives us something new when we follow him. When he calls us and we respond to him and we surrender to him, he gives us a new name. And any time we respond to him and say, God, I'm listening to you, and he says, follow me, he gives us that new name. When we are born again, he says, you're no, you're no longer dead to me. You're alive to me. You're not, you're dead to sin. I call you born again. I call you new, renew, not, well, I'm going to fix you up a little bit. No, he he brings us new. He makes us new. He gives us the new car smell. He gives us that baby smell. Like my wife, she loves the baby smell. She's she just grabs the baby. She's like, they smell so good. I'm like, what are you smelling? Like, oh, the baby's hair, it smells so good. That's what God does. When we're born again, he grabs us and goes, ah, oh, that's the new smell. I love that smell. But God is call, calls us out and he calls us up and says, it's time to move into your destiny. It's time for you to move into your calling and it's time for you to pick up those character traits that we've been working on. It's time for you to apply those to your life, fill those holes and those character flaws in your life and now you're going to lead. Now you're going to call out of slavery, Now you're going to free people. God is in the business of changing people's names because he, it's not about just the changing of the people's name. It's about their calling up to ministry. It's their calling up out of sin. It's their calling up out of the pit into leadership. It's their calling out of the wilderness into freeing people. It's their calling out of their land to a new land of promise. And I don't know any other person in this world that I've ever met that does that. And that is God. He will call you into a place that you're destined for. When He calls you, He's not going to call you into something new and bad. He's going to call you up to what He has destined for you and designed you for. God is not going to put you in another person's calling. You have the ability to minister to people. God's going to find a way to put you into that calling. We just have to surrender ourselves to him. Allow his will to direct our lives. If he's called you to lead, he will put you in a position of leadership so you can lead people out of the wilderness into the promised land. If he's called you to fight, he will find, he will call you, find a place for you to fight for him. Whether it's through evangelism or um, Finding, uh, getting people out of um, sex slavery or getting them out of abusive spots. God is going to call you to that. And sometimes where he's going to put you doesn't look like the place you want to be, but he's going to bring you to that land. Sometimes the land you have to stay in and tarry in is a place of growth. Sometimes the wilderness is not where we want to be. We don't want to be out on the mountain before God in his presence on our face going, oh God, it's great. And God's like, no, right now you're in the wilderness. You're tending sheep and you're going to learn how to tend sheep. But this is all practice for our purpose. This is all practice for us to learn how to call on him and to use his wisdom when he calls us to it. Let's pray.